Thank you for listening to the Ace Jewelers podcast. This is an exclusive audio-only episode of the podcast series The Art of Collecting Wristwatches by Ace Jewelers. In this series, we interview wristwatch collectors all over the world. We want to know what makes them tick. Mohammed, good morning. Hello, Elan. Good morning as well. How are you? I'm all well, living life, as I would like to say. We're very good and blessed. Hopefully you're good as well. I'm very well, and I'm very grateful that you took the time to sit down with me because I know you're super busy. Although you're becoming quite a celebrity in the watch industry, it's actually not your job. I know you are a marketeer in the banking world in London. You uh, travel quite some bit when it's possible. Um, you do a lot of volunteering, so I salute you for that. I know you've been very helpful with all the COVID assistance in the UK. Uh, vaccinating people as a volunteer and you have actually took clubhouse by storm and i credit you for the fact that us watch nerds found quite some nice rooms on the clubhouse app that's where we became friends early this year at the end of 2020 you started a room called watch club uh, for those listening and on the app definitely join uh, Mohammed Muraj um, is a person to give back. He lets other people host rooms in your club, right? That's correct, yes. And uh, you've been a gentleman, invited me several times and many times into uh, your amazing rooms with, with, with watchmakers, CEOs, uh, watch enthusiasts. So we've had actually quite some fun the last half year. And that's why I wanted to invite you back on our platform because i want to know more about the man who set up such an amazing uh, platform for the watch community so since we only have 30 minutes i want to jump in and know what your journey is in collecting wristwatches so mohammed how did you get into watches sure that's a really good question so um to be honest the whole journey started back in 2007 where i kicked off kind of my part-time job working at Julius whilst yeah. I was at university and then it basically transitioned into me going on to working in, in another store which basically I've been working for there around like 10 years just within that store so I think I fell into it in the sense of like you know it was something as an employment basis but then the passion just goes with anything such as like watch collecting or art collecting right so yeah 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 really really enjoyed it amazing so what is it that that's still after you quit your job attracts you to watches. So what keeps you in? And, and, and like with me and many of us collectors, it consumes a lot of your time. Yeah, definitely. I, I think it's all about the whole story in terms of the composition, right? I think, you know, I'm still blessed to work for the employer that I'm, you know, just on the Saturday in that sense. So I'm still part of the industry from okay. the other side, you know. Okay, I didn't know sales. that, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been doing that just on the Saturday as well. I do my full-time job working in banking. So, yeah, it's been very interesting. But what attracts me is just the story about, you know, the art of watch collecting. You know, I think there's been a huge transition of people moving away from just buying something due to the 
logo or brand that's basically on the watch but a little bit more deeper and i think you've probably seen this with all the different conversations we've had on clubhouse around just trying to you know get a little bit more deeper into it you know just not taking it at just a very high overview level yes and and what is it specifically that attracts you to watches still and and making you work a sixth day um <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that's a really good question. Again, I, I think, look, you know, honestly, it's the whole innovation piece within the industry, you know, pushing boundaries, materials that are being used. And of course, you know, the models that they come out all is like, you know, really attract you in terms of like, okay, I really want to own that timepiece on my wrist. Yeah, yeah. But it's the whole aspect of, you know, something that was so traditional in terms of manual wound and then going to automatic to you know, people just kind of, you know, manufacturers looking at as to how to kind of enhance um, the, the, the calibers that they work with. So, yeah, it's very interesting in that sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah because you approach it um, very much from an art perspective and rather intellectual. And what I love about your room on Clubhouse, it's very versatile and it's very much about not only sharing passion, but giving back and educating. And that's something that I love. So what makes you tick regarding watches? Is it the design, the history, the movement, a complication, a style, a narrative? So working in marketing, it has to be first. It's to do with the narrative that you know, the manufacturer comes out with. And yeah. then it goes into the whole you know, manufacturing element or the story yeah. that it says. And just as to how it creates. And I think there's a lot of manufacturers out there that have created their sub-communities that you can come together. You know, there's a lot of collectors who just collect a certain, you know, you know particular sort of um, complication or a reference or a model or just, you know, yeah. um, just a particular manufacturer, right? So you can just be a Rolex collector only, or, you know, you could see a little bit more. There's, you know, there's squads or, teams or elements within like just brightening or always have their own club right i think that cultivation of just a community building is really key and that really stands out where you can sometimes find a com common denominator yeah hence coming back to clubhouse where creating the club was all about trying to you know clear the hallways of all the different conversations that were going on for everyone to just kind of come together with a common denominator right where we yes. can just kind of exchange you know thoughtful nuggets or knowledge gems of, as i would like to call it Yes. So very interesting that you raised that topic about narrative. Uh, as a fellow marketeer, I'm very curious what story really appeals to you. What narrative, what a heritage or history stands out for you? Well, what brand really speaks to you in that sense? What sticks with you? Sure. I, th I think the first one, I think the reason why I probably even went and purchased my first Rolex, let's say, it was like, you know, it's like the crown of achievement, right? So when I mm -hmm. graduated, I went and got my first Rolex mm -hmm. in that sense. And, and the whole element within that was fine. You know, the marketing spoke out to me, the narrative, what they tried to do and, you know, what that timepiece was within the market, you know, aside from everything else, you know, obviously a GMT doesn't really have a see-through case bag. So, I can't really look at the movement. I can only see it from what kind of I get told from Rolex.com, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's very interesting. I think then you transition to, you know, having worked with Brightling, I think the whole element of like, you know, it used to, you know, as they used to call it, you know, it's instruments for professionals. 
you know, I, I think the marketing helped in that sense with, you know, John Travolta being the ambassador, I believe it mm-hmm. still is, you know, the whole element of, you know, it being more than a tool rather than just telling time. And I like the direction it's going now. Mm-hmm. And I think that the whole cultivation of like community building, you know, you've got Oris with this kind of, you know, globalized, you know, Oris club, you've got, there's a lot of campaigns or marketing sort of initiatives that have come out. So like Taikoya don't, you know, crack under mm-hmm. pressure, really yeah. like this. And I think, you know, with everyone's kind of sometimes in their grill watch to have a particularly, you know, it's about, you know, not owning it, but media yeah. looking after for, for it for the next generation, which yeah. sometimes does feel like it as you yeah. are in kind of in a waiting list, right? Yeah. For um, for your next watch. And then, of yeah, course, yeah. there's Tudor as well, right? You know, born to dare, right? I think if you're born to dare, there you go. You know, it, it takes a lot of courage to set up a podcast like you have, Elan. So many congratulations. It's There's a lot of conversation. I think you really kind of, you know, you've helped me with this kind of podcast. I kind of listen to it when there's time, effort, opportunity to listen to it during a kind of busy working day. So, yeah. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Mohammed. Um, uh, you, you actually um, uh, distracted me from my follow up question because it's very <laughs> interesting. <laughs> um, uh, what I wanted to ask is about the marketing because what was very interesting that you said. Uh, oh, now I remember. You also have another club on Clubhouse, which yes. is Hoot Club. I've actually, yes. because there's so much good watch talk going on, I've never actually joined a Hoot Club session. Is that active? And my main question is to you, when we take it a bit broader in the luxury industry, marketing-wise, do you think that the watchmakers are excelling? Are they doing exceptionally well? Or are there many brands that can learn from other luxury brands, if you understand my uh, train of thought? Yeah, definitely. So let me address the first point. So yes, I do have another club called Hoot Club, which is a little bit more broader luxury, which, you know, I've had conversation around like uh, handbags, you know, mm-hmm. uh, so something a little bit more kind of different because I know with the watch community or the watch fan community that exists in like Instagram and other platforms, it tends to be ridden towards watches. And sometimes people come with a certain agenda in terms of, look, I came to this club to learn about a particular thing. So I think it was very, you know, for me, it was be able to create that two distinctions. That was really key. And, you know, when I was part of, uh, of the clubhouse beta and being, you know, presented the opportunity to create club. I wanted to be able to create two things that I knew about mm-hmm. or, I, or I had fallen into. So watches, you know, I can easily say I've had more than 10 years of experience working with watches. Luxury comes as a byproduct of working with luxury watches altogether. So I think that was a key element. Mm-hmm. I think the next, next question in terms of, you know, the transition of where watch manufacturers are going, I think at the moment, they have really elevated themselves. They've changed mm-hmm. the narrative. You know, mm-hmm. it's more about community building. It's more about that knowledge share. It's that that little deeper of it's not just about having a particular logo or a brand name stuck into your watch. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. There's a lot more, right? And you know, you have been part of that um, sort of conversation on Clubhouse, right? Where we try to dismantle or you know, disposition. You know, take take apart a watch and discuss each element of a watch. Yes. as its own sort of, you know, particular item or a segment. Yeah. And I think that's key, right? And I think that's yeah. what's important. So, and I like that because watch manufacturers are now doing this a lot more, you know, you, you, you are an authorized retailer for many, many watches as well. You know, you work in the industry, you know, the conversations have changed in terms mm-hmm. of as to how, you know, 
clients are perceived or you know access to wealth or access to a watch to you know when i started in 2017 now there's been a huge drastic change i think social media does play a huge part into decision making but yes. also i think watch manufacturers have taken a lot more effort in trying yeah. to embed what they want and kind of lead to the direction because i think it then becomes into a whirlwind of like i really don't know what i'm buying i'm just buying it because you know everyone yeah. else is buying it or for yeah. the hype or yeah. somebody's told me yep yeah. Yeah, interesting. So, sorry for the sidestep a bit. We're deviating a bit. So, back to you and my questions regarding your journey as a collector. Do you have a particular uh, uh, focus when collecting watches? Is it only vintage? Is it new? Is it both? Is it a particular brand only? Good question. So, I've not actually dabbled into the vintage market yet or the vintage sort mm-hmm. of timepieces. I think... Uh, <laughs> you need a lot more knowledge before you tap into it. I would want to start learning a little bit more about it. At the moment, it is still current or relevant models or references mm-hmm. that exist in the market today or get produced. Yeah. My, my approach is, as with everything, you know, I don't want to start like an investment advisor, which I'm not, but, you know, people will be like, it's a tangible asset, right? Anything you touch, feel, look, you know, you can sense in that sense, you know, if you like it, go for that. Don't be like, okay, I'm buying this because it's, got this resale value to it which is another mm-hmm. separate conversation mm-hmm. by approaching in terms of do i like this watch can i see myself wearing it yes then let me go for it and then i you know getting that knowledge share or that knowledge you know um sort of insights from fellow collectors or the community really helped make the decision so yeah i don't i don't it's not like i'm only focused on just one manufacturer and that's all i want to get i think it's a good niche to have and it's really yeah. good. Uh, yeah. And I'm always taken back by people who've been able to create such a huge collection just for one sort of manufacturer, which is yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And would you mind sharing some watches in your collection and tell us why you got them and why you will never let go of them? Sure. Definitely. So I've just started in terms of in, in the industry, in terms of, you know, all, collecting watches you know at the moment my main prime example is my gmt because it's something mm-hmm. of a milestone i'm mm-hmm. now in the market to look for my next watch mm-hmm. uh, because i obviously i need to put my watch into a service so i'm just looking for another watch yeah. to wear whilst i put this watch into a service so yes and you know again with tudor this got relaunched in the united kingdom you know a couple of years ago you know yeah. tudor was not even available in the united kingdom and yes there are some tudor references that do kind of stick out to me yeah. rating list aside whatever you know yeah. there are some pieces that stand out and a little yeah. bit more broader i do like them you know i do like the new collection of how brightlings are going forward yeah, yeah i you know I, i'm still trying to hunt down a rainbow not sure as to how lucky i'm gonna get trying to hunt down a rainbow but yeah, yeah. you know that there's a nomos you know doctors without borders i really yes. like what they do especially yeah. with nomos yeah and yeah there, there's a lot of manufacturers and then I, I recently went to Oris or got invited to like um coming, you know, look into the London boutique, you know, get a chance to see the boutique edition. So yeah, that also stood out. So there's a lot more I said. I think I'm in a place, you know, you could say financially and a lot more knowledge has been, you know, accepted from my side yes. to make these decisions. And yeah, you yeah. know, there's gonna be a lot more watch alerts, yeah. you know, new watch alerts coming so, from my side. Yeah, amazing. So um, two things. You said you got the GMT as a graduation watch. Yeah. So That's basically, that watch? yeah. So the one that I wear generally wear all the time, and you probably see my photos, is the watch yeah. that I presented to myself. 
yeah. for graduating from university. Yeah. It was nice. like, you know, yeah. you get a degree, that's your crown. And yeah. I was like, okay, fine. I want to yeah. get a crown of achievement. So that one you'll never sell? Never. Like, it's, okay. it's too practical for me as well. GMT hand, I travel quite frequently as much as I can. Yeah. So, yeah. Interesting. And what I find interesting that you've actually set the bar very high for yourself, whereas maybe... Uh, Longines, Aurus, Nomos are considered gateway drugs for watch collectors. Yeah. That's maybe the tipping point going from uh, quartz into mechanical into good watchmaking. Um, and good is, is a relative term, but I call it, that's my term of good. Um, it's interesting that you mentioned those brands versus going uh, up higher from, from a Rolex to, let's say, uh, their peers or even higher AP, Patek, etc. Um, how do you perceive it? How do you go about? Definitely. I, I, I think I have an Excel sheet of what I want to get. Yeah. And yes, you know, I, I do. And yeah, and, and AP is on there. Yeah. It's just you got to sometimes make a rational decision as to what's yeah. attainable and, you know, um, in what, what's available in the market and what I can actually get. And AP definitely yeah. is there. But I think you just got to have a humbled approach at that time so yeah. yes you know you could say if you told me what do you you know Mohammed, what do you like within tag i'd be like yeah i like the tag monaco out yeah. everything i like the tag monaco it stands out yeah. do you like cartier i'll be like yeah i like the tank from say but that's a dress watch if yeah. you like if you want patek i'll be like you know yes i do but nautilus aquanaut all of these for me to attain that you need to build relationships and, and you're part of that industry so you know as to how it is you know yes walk-ins or People asking you for references that are obviously the most popular sometimes just are not possible. Yeah. You need to be able to d- develop that relationship and know them a little bit yeah. more than just ask yeah. for references yeah. that everybody wants, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So, so you already answered my question. If you have a wish list slash risk list, you do. And you manage it in Excel. Do yes. you actually have a strategy when you go about... Uh, 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 hunting down watches and then actually buying them and getting them and and did you already narrow down what your next watch needs to be you already gave us an intro are you honing in on one watch yeah definitely so that's a good question so yeah my side is make an excel sheet because yeah. it's easier to basically note it down and tick them off and i really like ticking thin things off yeah. like a to-do list it's really you know yeah it, it feels like an as a, you know, you accomplish something when you take things off. Yeah. So I've got it as that list. And then I, I am fortunate to having worked in the industry to know people in the back end, right, with the manufacturers. And I think yeah. Clubhouse also a, li- a little bit assisted me in opening up the doors in terms of knowing some of the manufacturers, you know. Listen, you're being very rest. modest. You're a celebrity. <laughs> right no, now. no, no, I'm not. Yeah, yeah no. you are, you are. <laughs> people, I think there's a lot more bigger celebrities out there. And look, a lot of people carry it with some sense of pride in terms of oh i'm an influencer etc i'm not i'm if i'm able to inspire one individual that's able to come on stage that's my work done and there's a whole story to this as to why i keep it so democratic in terms of what it is you know there's a lot of big personalities out there you're you're a massive personality you know trust me i'm not i'm not i'm not a i'm not a a massive personality i just i'm just uh, passionate i like to share knowledge and that's the reason we started this podcast series and, and yeah. why I'm asking you this question, because a lot of young collectors or newbies to the, to the industry or to the art of collecting wristwatches um, find it overwhelming to absorb so much info. 
there are many yeah. brands and each brand has vast collections and you can go crazy budget wise it's interesting how you say that you uh, keep it humble you you think in budgets you make excel sheets so how would you um, go about well you mentioned now a few brands and candidates how would you just as an educational purpose how would you go about now okay so you made the excel do you take off what do I need? So my GMT master is on a steel bracelet. It's waterproof. Would you go now more casual? Would you go more dress? Or would you, so depending on occasions, or would you say, I want that brand? That's a good one. So generally, I look at it from a lifestyle point of view as to what would I actually wear? So, yeah. you know, if I was to go a little bit too traditional and let's say, okay, you know, I am in the opportunity to actually get a Calatrava, you yes. know, let's say Patek, I'd be like, okay, is that suited for my lifestyle? Not really, because at the moment I, I am quite active and a leather strap in terms of, you know, wearing casual clothing sometimes it's cool, but I find it a bit of a mature sort of, you know, reference. However, yeah. I know it, there's a balance because, you know, in order to enter the sort of the realms of Patek Philippe, you need to look into something else. So sometimes looking at what you do in terms of, you know, your lifestyle choices and be like, OK, fine, I have a sports model or a sports reference. Is there anything else available to that? And then you take it on from there and then because I've got some models that I categorized for particular manufacturers, it allows me to kind of go in search with the boutique or, you know, ask the reps or even, you know, ask the community like yourself and be like, yo, what, what are your thoughts? I'm thinking of mm. getting that. And, and I think this is where the knowledge change is, right? In terms of we are a little bit more easier and a little bit more fluid sharing this knowledge. And I think yes. that's really good, you know, and look, having worked in the industry from 2007, I can say, yes, you know, you've got to appreciate that people sometimes that walk in through the door, you know, for them, it's the biggest watch purchase. And, you know, yes, I think the price tag that's associated with the watch, we sometimes really, you know, we undermine it, you know, because mm -hmm. we see so much and people are like a thousand pound watch. Oh, that's nothing. Because you see, you know, double figure watches and you're mm -hmm. like, oh, that's cheap watch. But no ways, like, like I'm saying, like a thousand pound watch is not a cheap watch because for some yeah. person they've collected maybe a whole year or more just to come and get that. And Correct. I think people Correct. and I and you know you probably see me. I'm I'm quite vocal about it. Like, yo, mate, you know you got to calm down. You can't just yeah. like you know fob it off or tell someone like, okay, you know what, you just got a baby watch or you know it's a baby yeah, Rolex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like mate, you don't know the journey or the story. You just yeah. got to like you got to appreciate. And I think this is the main yeah. element. And I think. Yeah. The community is getting educated and I think they're educating younger people who are yeah. getting kind of lured into, you know, the attractiveness, whether it's footballers, whether it's Instagram people or, you know, the grey market or even yeah. kind of, you know, just the models that they see all the time, right? So, yeah. It's very interesting. So, that, Mohammed is why I love you because you're so modest and authentic. Where did this A, modesty come from? And B, Where is that? And B, I'm totally with you. The, me as a retailer, what I love most is people that either took them a quite some time to save up or really appreciate what they're coming in to buy for and don't see it like a disposable accessory and throwaway money. That's what I love the most as a retailer. And, yeah. and, 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 and one of the reasons of this podcast series is also to, to give them a voice and, and, and give those new collectors confidence. And you need to start somewhere. Um, and, and what's interesting also that, and that's what I meant, you jumped in with Rolex, but then you're looking at 
all different brands, lower end, higher end. Um, and, and, and a true watch collector appreciates anything that displays time. So digital, analog, mechanical, quartz, uh, G-Shocks, swatches, and, and higher. And then my collection is also that diverse. <clears throat> but to, so going back to where, where did you get this humbleness from? Home? I th- I th- yeah, I, th- I think it's all to do with your upbringing, right? You know, I'm, I'm not, I, I can clearly see I'm not like silver spoon fed, you know, in, in that yeah. sense. You know, I might be the golden child, I could probably say for my family, but, you know, you, you know, I've not gone into wealth. Like, you know, your hard work pays a lot off for yeah. a lot of the things. Hence, you know, having a part-time job while going through university, to, you know, to keep you kind of paying you for the books, etc. And I think yeah. when, when you work within the retail from that side, yeah. And you see people coming in, you know, and I can honestly tell you there's been people that have acted, you know, like that they would wear certain level of clothing, et cetera, and the transaction wouldn't go through or they will ask for finance or, you know, they will put on a bravado or a facade, you know, and it wouldn't go through. And there's a guy wearing maybe a tracksuit nowadays is looked in a different way. But yeah, I could yeah. say a lot more casual. And the guy is literally all the female she's coming in she just wants to buy a watch and you know it's great to see as to how female watches have increased and you know how the industry is taking that on and even how salespeople are looking at females buying watches because that was really different back in my time when i kicked off like yeah. 2007 right you know yeah. even even acquiring knowledge at that time was difficult for, yeah. for what you know and, and i think that's where the humbling factor is where you're like yeah. you, you can't adjust everyone with just one kind of paintbrush stroke right everyone's yeah. kind of individual and Yes, you know, as you grow up in, in, in your stages in your professional career and you're exposed to a little bit more wealth and, you know, you start getting, as they say, you know, more, more commas than zeros in your, in your pay packet or you just, you know, you elevate and level up in your professional career. You start, you know, there's a d- different level of exposure. And then from there, if it is your passion of watching, for me, it has come into this. You, you, you get that opportunity, which you're very humbled by to start looking into and be like, okay, fine, this is the watch I want to get or this is the watch I aspire to get or it yeah. is actually on, on my list. And, I, and I've got these written down, you know. I still yeah. have my 2007, you know, I, I where I work, I was a Brightening stockist and a Cartier stockist. So I do have both the brochures from 07. With yes. Me because that's where I started off from, right? Yeah. And I know and every time at that time what the price was and what the yeah. price is now. And that's why I don't judge it on price. If I like it, I'll get it. But I like the story for a couple of time pieces and that's the thing. So yeah, yeah, that, that's generally my approach. Yeah, interesting. So going for modesty, let's go a bit extravagant <clears throat> and daydream. What's your Grail watch? My Grail watch. Okay, I, I think I think to be honest with you, you know, looking in the market as, as I'm looking obviously for my next time pieces, you know, such I think it, it has to be Patek Philippe just for what it is, and I'm just mm-hmm. gonna put it out there. Obviously, it's a lot more standard. But yeah, it is there. I think that's the ultimate. And, yeah. you know, the Aquanaut really, you know, I'm not really fussed about the Nautilus, to be honest with you. The Aquanaut yeah. there. Yeah. But yeah, that's the thing. And if you take a step a little bit down, you know, it would be an uh, Audemars Piguet, Royal Oak. Yeah. Take a little bit more down, you know. Yeah, it's... These two are, like, really right up there at, at yes. that level, you know. In, in terms of, like, I'm really aspiring to get them. And, you know developing that relationship and going through there yes and then you do have the rolex you know the daytona etc but i think as i've already ticked off a rolex mm-hmm. i sometimes i'm like do i go and get another rolex and if i did which one i would get that's another mm-hmm. question but yeah the grail watch yes is the top of the mind these are the two at the moment yeah like so interesting piece 
Yeah, interesting what you raised. So you already ticked the Rolex box. How yeah. important is it for you to have multiple brands? It's very important because I don't sometimes, like at the moment, I want to be able to have a watch box that basically tells a story. Yeah. So if somebody picked up or my niece and nephew picked up and, you know, they look at it and they're like, wow, Mohammed, you have a Casio, you have a, a you know, you have a swatch, you know, that, that's why, you know, when it was an interesting question when you asked me about what you have in your watch box. Automatically, I disregarded Casio and swatch because I didn't think that's the level. But if you took it a little bit more broader, I have a Casio and I have a swatch. So this is technically my third watch. Yeah. So, that's so, so I get all my guests that I invite. Some of them say, yeah, I'm not a collector. I said, do you have more than two? The answer is always yeah. yes. I said, then you are a collector. Yeah, yeah. but it's not uh, high hotelogy. I said, I don't care. If it's watches yeah. or G-Shocks, that's passion for watches. I don't care if you co- collect fossils, smartwatches, G-Shocks or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. So it, it's, it's, it's about the journey of collecting and the pleasure of them. And uh, um, so what percentage is for you passion versus reason, emotions versus ratio? Oh, that's a good question. I, I, I really sometimes take decisions based on my heart and I am of that individual you know, as a personality trait. So it'd be 60-40 where my heart really drives my mind in decision-making. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, if I like it, that's why I say if I like something, I would get it for whatever it is in that sense. And yes, you know, marketing does sometimes, you know, I'm a sucker for marketing because I'm a marketing guy myself. Mm-hmm, so if mm-hmm. you tell me it's a boutique edition, I'll get it, you know. Yes. Nomos, of all the Nomos references, I like Doctors Without Borders, yes. you know, because it, what the story it tells or what the narrative is, and I really want to get a reference just for that, right? Yes. That, that, that's the thing. So, yeah. Interesting. Last question, because we're almost at the 30 minutes mark. Yep. Do you have a final tip to somebody who's new to the art of collecting wristwatches? Wow, that's a, that's a huge knowledge. And look, all I'm saying to you is, you know, just be rational in your approach, you know, and really find your true grounding. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think there's a lot of noise out there that might direct your decision making and you may want to start acquiring pieces because it's there, you know, in terms of just get the Nautilus or, you know, just get the Aquanaut or the Daytona or the Samaritans. But just be a bit more rational in the approach because, you know, sometimes you may say you want to get this watch and you would never step in to the art of collecting yes. because you're just holding out. So go for something that you're like, you know what, okay, it's approachable, it's rational and, and a little bit more modest and humble in that approach. And before you know it, you will start a really different paradigm and i think don't underestimate the power of like what 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 watch manufacturers do mm-hmm. in terms of it because it's, it's, whether you go to a multiple jeweler like yourself who stops mm-hmm. multiple sort of you know manufacturers and watches to just the boutique you will see that range and i think people just need to have a very different approach and not just be directed by it so yeah you know just be kind of humble and be like okay i, I want to get into it what do i really want to get you know in that sense, do I like sports? Do I like leather strap? And what is available mm-hmm. to me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect. Mohammed, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I've enjoyed it, as always. It, it became half of a Clubhouse vibe session, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which was lovely. Um, for all our listeners, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you're on Clubhouse, definitely register for the room called Watch Club. Uh, follow Mohammed Muraj, M-U-R-A-J, on Clubhouse. You can also find him on 
Instagram with the same handle. He needs to let you in. If you need an invite, be- but I don't think that's necessary anymore. Mommy. That's not that's not necessary. Okay. But I think yeah, yeah, that's not necessary anymore. I okay. think at the moment that it's still through referral. But yeah, you know, I think you're the best guy. They should just reach out to you like that. Yeah. So either reach out to me or Mohammed, and we'll let you in if you have difficulties getting into the clubhouse uh, app and uh, get registered. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe for all future episodes. Thank you so much, Mohammed. Thank you. It's been a pleasure, really. You know, it's been a long time waiting. You know, thank you so much. I'm truly honoured from the bottom of my heart. Like, you know, just speaking, regardless of it being a podcast, just sharing knowledge and learning from you. And yeah, it's just been great. So thank you for having me on this podcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Mohammed. Have a wonderful day. You too. Appreciate it. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Art of Collecting Wristwatches by Ace Jewelers. This is the end of the podcast. Um, If you want to listen to more episodes, go to anchor.fm slash Ace Jewelers. And don't forget to rate our series with five stars. Thank you and have a good one.